0: Hey, I'm Brian Hyatt, and this is Rolling Stone Music Now. Today, I'm really happy to be bringing you an interview with Willow, who made one of the best rock albums of the year with Coping Mechanism. It draws on stuff like System of a Down and Deftones, and is a really strong follow-up to her previous rock album, last year's Lately I Feel Everything, which is a little more pop-punk influenced. And not that long ago, she also had another rock-influenced hit with her side project, The Anxiety. A great song called Meet Me at the Spot. Along the way, you won't hear it, but we were interrupted more than once by her dog, who happens to be named Korn, K-O-R-N, in case you have any doubt about her rock and metal credentials. But here's my interview with Willow. I saw your show in New York at Terminal 5, I've been to a lot of rock concerts in my life. I think this was the single most diverse audience at a rock concert I've ever been to, and I think that's an achievement in itself.
1: Hell yeah. I mean, I pride myself for the fact that I feel like the people who are attracted to my music and attracted to the, to my message, they love inclusivity, and they love to connect with different people and to expand their perspectives about life and about art and about everything really in in every way that they can. So I love that.
0: It also is a super young audience. People have been saying rock is dead for a long time and the young people don't like rock.
1: They love it. And I think the biggest thing, I think we get hung up on genres, but I think the biggest thing is just authenticity and feeling mm-hmm. like they can relate. I think that not just young people, people of all ages want to feel like want to feel heard, want to feel seen and like they can relate, you know what i mean? And that is just really important.
0: Tell me about your band because they're pretty sick. The drummer really stood out to me.
1: Yeah, Asher or ha- Asher, he's fantastic. He played on the album too. Asher and Brad, the drummer and the bassist. They both played on some songs on the album. And Liso, she's just my girl. I love her so much and we've just been touring together for a few years now, so I just we're just so tight, so close.
0: Listening to your last couple albums and then concert, I mean, it's clear you love live drums and you love like splashy, flashy live drums.
1: Oh, yeah. I feel like drums are very primal and you feel them. Same with bass. I feel like drums and bass are very important in the sense that you can feel them in your body. And that's a really beautiful thing to me.
0: The thing is, your rock roots go as deep as anyone's. I actually found an interview that your mom did when you were five years old talking to MTV News, and she said, oh, Jaden does, doesn't really like rock, but Willow is a huge metal head and told me when I dropped her off at school the other day, watch out, I'm going to have a better band than you.
1: Oh, it's been happening for a long, long time. I mean, yeah, I was five. First concert I ever went to, I'm pretty sure, was a metal concert for my mom's band, Wicked Wisdom. <laughs> And that was an amazing experience. Just seeing her with her band, it was just so inspiring. And that kind of being the baseline for my young mind, i it's definitely a part of me.
0: You've spoken about the flat-out racism that your mom faced. You weren't taught at a young age that this was necessarily a welcoming space for a Black woman.
1: No, but I was taught that she killed it. And she continued to kill it and that didn't matter. So that was very profound for me at a young age to see that.
0: You've spoken about anxiety you had a great side project named after it. But how about anger?
1: Yeah, I think it's so interesting. I don't really think about I don't really think about it as anger. I think most of my emotions start off I'm more of a sad person than an angry person, but I feel like sadness has twinges of just like, yeah, I guess anger. I don't know. I feel like the screaming on the project comes from more of a place of sadness than anything else. And Mm. I think that anger is really just sadness in disguise every time. So yeah, that's how I think about it.
0: You had to find your sort of rock voice and that started with the last album, maybe even before. You were able to sing in a bunch of styles, but to find that rock voice, what did it take and to find your scream?
1: My scream, funny enough, kind of just came naturally because it was such an emotional, it just, the emotion was there and it took some time to learn how to do it. I actually, because of the vocal coaching that I had, that I have been doing since eight years old, I know what's gonna make me lose my voice and what's not gonna make me lose my voice. So even though the emotion was there and I needed to get that across first, I definitely still had to adhere to the technique that I know and love to make sure that I don't lose my voice.
0: Tell me about the single, Curious Furious, because I think that deserved to be an even bigger hit than it was.
1: I want to say Curious Furious might have been like the fourth or fifth song that we recorded for the album. My thoughts about that song when I was going into it were I want the tenderness to come across. I want the, yeah, the tenderness of that space of feeling in awe, but also a little bit afraid of the powers that be, the universal and cosmic powers that be.
0: The mathematics that the wind and the trees are whispering, that kind of
1: thing. 100%, yes. And that's one of my favorite lyrics I've ever written. Yeah, really love that lyric. But yeah, vocally, I just wanted to approach it in that tender way. And then when the furious part comes along in the second verse, I really just had to let my, for this album, it was all about riding the wave of that raw emotion and to be able to stretch my voice to those places in order to convey the emotion and not necessarily to sing a note per se, but it was always about How far do I take this where the emotion is conveyed just enough, not too much, and not falling short? And with that song, I was very particular about specifically making that balance come across.
0: A lot of the album seems to be breakup songs of one variety or another, which is a very large category. There's lots of different kinds of breakup songs. This one... There's elements where you can read it that way, but this, like you said, this feels more existential, spiritual.
1: 100%. I think the reason why breakups for most of us are really hard is because it makes us question Mm. ourselves on a deep level and question kind of the fabric of what is love? What does it mean to be loved and what does it mean to love? And love is not always romantic. Love is a universal, mysterious, harrowing concept that drove me into a deep space of self-reflection. And to get caught up in the, she did this, he did that, or whatever it is, way less the point than What is love and what is my existential, um, my path towards that existential learning about myself and not only in a romantic way, but being in service to humanity and to the people who listen to my music and to everyone that I cross on the street every day, looking into someone's eyes, just giving them a smile and being like, I am, I'm trying to embody pure love. And I think specifically in the romantic sense, we just get so shaken up because it's like our identity is wrapped up in it. But I think it's way deeper than romance.
0: Was this all based on one real life breakup?
1: It is based on a period of my life. I wouldn't necessarily say that it's a breakup album. I Hmm. would say that it documents a birth of a different kind of perspective and a death of the old person that I used to be.
0: It did occur to me that being polyamorous might actually be an aid to songwriting, because it's just more to write about.
1: Yes, yes. There's a line in Bad Shit that goes, murdering my ego with a hatchet, you'll never understand. And I think that when you put yourself in the position to challenge the social norms of what people think is love, what people think can work in a relationship, your ego was very involved in that. And I personally feel like unconditional love, not romantic, but just that unconditional love that I can share with anyone or with an animal looking into their eyes or anything, that unconditional love has to be egoless. And so when you're going into not necessarily a polyamorous relationship, but when you're going, when you're stepping into a life path where you realize the death of your ego must happen in order for you to love to the highest ability and to live to the highest ability, Some things, some things, uh, they definitely come out of the woodwork that you're not Mm. expecting. (laughs) Right. I'm just talking about it from a purely, honestly, spiritual and emotional point of view. And there's always more to write about that when you're thinking from that perspective, even if you're not, quote unquote, polyamorous.
0: Sure. It's funny because I wasn't sure if the murdering my ego with a hatchet was something that someone was doing to you or something oh, no, you're trying doing to it. do to yourself. I'm yeah. doing it. Yeah.
1: I'm doing it. I'm like, ah, I'm really trying to get it.
0: <laughs> and, how, <laughs> and how's that going? Oh
1: man. It's obviously painful. Yeah. But it's so worth it because I know that the kind of person that I want to be is the kind of person who parries themselves. And wherever I go, whoever is coming across my path or I'm crossing their path or whatever, I want them to feel, I want them to feel loved, And so I'm not even looking at it as like romantic relationship, platonic relationship. I just want to be like an overflowing stream of abundance all the time and in order to do that, you can't be holding on to egotistic ideas of who you think you are and what you think you need to be doing and how do other people think about what I think about myself. Like That just doesn't (laughs) work at all.
0: So Coping Mechanism,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: the state of mind you're describing that song is someone in a dark state of mind, like probably shortly after a breakup. How removed did you have to be from the emotions described in the song to write the song?
1: Not removed at all. You have to Mm. be right in it. Like for me, like I was saying before, riding those emotional currents is so important and being very up close and personal with the ebb and flows of what's happening. I'm reading this book right now called Radical Acceptance by Tara Brock. I'm pretty sure Mm. that's how you pronounce her last name. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it, but it's a really beautiful book. And she talks about when you have a strong emotion to not push it away and to be, and to lean into it so intensely, like what is it? What is the texture of it? What is the color of it? Does it have a name? Is it really gets to be its best friend, like be right up, right there with it? And that's what I was trying to do with those dark emotions dur- during the making of this album. And I feel like that was a huge catharsis and a huge help in birthing like a better version of myself through accepting those dark, old beliefs and habits and all the shit that I just needed to get rid of. And that album was a huge purge of all of that. One of the
0: other things that was impressive about the concert is that you basically just performed the new album and the audience ate it up. One of the only non-album tracks you played, of course, is uh, Meet Me at Our Spot. Yeah, which is, and
1: Transparent Soul. And,
0: and Transparent Soul, which fits very well. Yeah. But I wanted to ask about Meet Me at Our Spot because that is a huge song in its own way, like a huge hit, a huge TikTok hit, kind of a moment, a pandemic moment. Tell me about writing that song, creating that song, recording that song.
1: It was surprisingly very quick and very spontaneous. I definitely didn't think it was going to do what it did in terms of just how much people related to it and how much it blew up. That definitely was not in my head, but it was a very fun studio session. My my really good friend, engineer and producer, Zach, played the bass riff and we were just Zach Brown and we were just vibing and it was super fun and it, it honestly one of the simplest songs i've ever made <laughs> but i think that's why people relate to it
0: what's wild is that you don't always choose to go for the pop hook you do a lot of things but when you do <laughs> you have a real ability to make these huge pop hooks it's just not always what you choose to do
1: yeah i i think there's a lot of pop stars in the world and i think they do it really well and I'm just not a pop star. Like I, I like I love doing weird shit that pushes the envelope and inspires people to perceive life and music and themselves in a grander, more more wider point of view. And that's how I see myself. Like, and sometimes a pop hook does that really well. Sometimes a pop hook can allow people to have that moment of like, oh, wow. like I'm seeing something different than what I saw before, you know what I mean? And that's the feeling I want to give to anyone who consumes my art.
0: The Deftones, System of a Down, these are strains of music that haven't been picked up that much recently, and here you are picking them up. Where does your love for bands like those two come
1: from? System of a Down, that album, Toxicity. (laughs) Yo, I don't think there are any words to <laughs> describe. And Sirs is a very spiritually connected human being, and you can feel it so potently through... The, he has a song called Science, where he literally goes, science has failed our Mother Earth. And... Hearing his lyrics, and because I'm a nerd, for I love science, but I also love spirituality, and I think he is the same in that regard. And also the deft tones. Hey, you, star, just the dichotomy of the just really hard guitars and, and the darkness but then also the ethereal vocal and the softness and the almost like the tenderness of his vocal is profound and those two dichotomies dancing the, that dichotomy is just so beautiful and there might have been a third band was there a third band that you said
0: i said deftones and system with down but you've talked about a, a lot of other bands in that vein Corn, clearly, judging by the dog.
1: Rock and roll. Corn every day. Corn all day, every day. But yeah, like System of a Down, Deaf Tones, even Radiohead was yeah. a slight inspiration for this album as well. Straight Line Stitch. I think that's the name of the band. They have a song called Adult Cinema, which is really beautiful. Hey, oh. where she's screaming and then it goes into this beautiful like melodic chorus that's like so triumphant and like I don't know I love the back and forth of dark rough gritty and like feminine ethereal tender those two things together are really just they make it they just make it for me
0: you play guitar throughout the show and at the end you play a little bit of lead guitar so you can play. Is that something you've been working on?
1: Yeah. I I've been playing guitar for let's see. I started when I was 14, which is the same age Jimi Hendrix started, actually, which is fire. I think so. I might be a complete idiot, but I think it was 14. I'm definitely not as good as Jimi Hendrix, but I just thought that was cool. Yeah, I love the guitar and I love to play the guitar and I think it's super simple. I think nowadays there's so much like so much put on the guitar. Like it's an amazing instrument and it's beautiful, but like I'm a vocalist at heart and my voice is always gonna be my first instrument. Love the guitar dearly, and I will practice and play to the end of my days. And yeah, that's pretty much it.
0: I wanted to ask you about the this Nepo baby discourse because it cuts so many ways, and I think it's so reductive when people are funny, when people talk about that. But Obviously, it has enormous advantages to come from a famous family, especially someone like you who comes from a very famous family. But there's also disadvantages, too. There's people who might not look past the surface and listen to like how strong this music you're making is. I wonder how you see about that sort of dismissive term and that whole discourse that's going around. Not really about you, but just in, in general.
1: I don't focus on how other people feel about me. If you love me, amazing. If you hate me, fantastic. That's none of my business. Like I was put on this planet to be someone who uplifts the lives of people with my art and my words. And (laughs) that's it. That's pretty much how I feel like. Anyone can feel how they feel. And I have no, um, doesn't mind. I don't mind.
0: I think pretty much everyone on earth could learn from that attitude. (laughs) (laughs) You're going through such a rapid musical evolution. Have you started working on the next thing? Have you started mentally thinking about the next thing?
1: Yeah, I'm always writing and I'm always playing. And even though I just put out a project and I usually, like my writing vibe doesn't really happen that soon after i've made a project i'm still writing and for some reason it's still coming so i'm just like i'm just letting it vibe out i i'm used to not really doing anything after i release a project but for the first time in my whole life i heard a song in my in a dream and i woke up and i played it on the guitar and because I was I had a guitar teacher that would tell me that he always dreamed songs like he dreamed these guitar pieces and then he would write them and play them. And I was always so jealous, like, oh, I wish I dreamed <laughs> songs. I wish I dreamed original pieces. And it happened to me for the first time like a month ago. So I'm super oh, maybe a couple of weeks, but I'm super, super just excited and happy to just be feeling that abundance of creativity, even after dropping a project.
0: Direction-wise, do you have a sense yet?
1: It's definitely gonna be guitar-based music. I have a little bit of an idea, but not enough for me (laughs) to put it out into the world as of now.
0: Give us a hint, heavier, even heavier?
1: Maybe.
2: Wow. But maybe in
1: a different way than you might expect.
0: Let's go back to the beginning. You were sitting supposedly on the set of Karate Kid and with GarageBand at like eight years old, something like that, and making music. Where was that coming from for you as a little kid to the extent you remember?
1: It was very chill. I was making something random. It was honestly probably really shitty, but it was so (laughs) much fun. And I did it. I was doing it all by myself, and I felt such control and such just like agency and autonomy and I don't know, it was intoxicating. And then after that, I went to my parents and I said, I want to sing. And they were like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, why wouldn't I want to sing? But I think what they heard is I want to be a multi-platinum pop star traveling the world and touring. But what I really meant was this, I want to sing. So that didn't really make, that didn't really come together for me for a while until I was like, oh, this is actually not what I think I wanted, but we're in it now. So let me just put the pedal to the metal and make it work, Henny. So that was where my kind of mind went.
0: And making it work meant being the, one of the youngest people ever to have such a huge hit single with Whip My Hair.
2: Yes.
0: And then there you were on tour with Justin Bieber as a little kid. Yeah. Um, and, but obviously, as you hinted, it, it didn't turn out to be what you wanted. And at that end of the tour, you knew you didn't want to continue with it what was it about
1: it I think I knew I loved music I think I knew I wanted to sing but at the time what I probably needed was a good three or four years of study I needed to be sat down and just be like okay Let's look at videos of Nina Simone performing. Let's look at videos of Prince performing. Let's look at videos of all of these amazing artists. And you write in your little journal, what about each of these people you really enjoy? What about their music? What about their show? What about how they carry themselves you really enjoy? And let's create your artistry first around these amazing examples and then Let's take steps. That didn't happen. It's all game. I had to do that on my own, which is amazing and how it should happen. But I think looking back, that would have been very helpful. Just like, let's take these years to get you in. I was doing singing lessons from the time that I was eight until now and was doing piano lessons that didn't stick. The guitar ended up being my love and pride and joy. But yeah, I think a little bit more of that study Mm. would have been, at that young age, would have been amazing.
0: You literally shaved your head brilliantly to end the whole thing. Was the idea, did you think you were resigning from show business at that point?
1: No, I just needed to figure out what I wanted to do. The main reason Mm. was I don't like this music that I'm making. I don't like, the whole vibe of it was just not, what I wanted. I knew I wanted to make not pop music, basically. And yeah, like I said before, there's a lot of pop stars and they are killing it. And that's just not really for me, but it's all good.
0: Transparent Soul, that song, I could name a lot of ones. There's ones on the new album as well, but that is a huge pop hook, like it or not.
1: No, it is. No, it is. (laughs) It is. I think, what can I say? I, what can I say? I think that Transparent Soul is a beautiful song. I wouldn't necessarily say it's a pop song, but the hook is definitely huge. And Curious Furious definitely has that same kind of huge hook feeling.
0: The same way that your mom had some of that pushback musically, is there an extent to which, again, as a Black woman doing rock, is there an extent to which the business kind of pushes at you to try to get you to do something else that you have to fight off?
1: Any machine in any industry that you're in is going to try to make you into what it wants you to be. And that's just the nature of the machine. That's just the nature of any machine, whether you're a sports star, whether you're a movie maker, a musician, whether you make Computers, honestly, it's going to try to make you what it wants you to be. And I feel like the real sign of a true artist is when they don't allow that to happen. And they can be in the industry without being of the industry. And that is some of the most amazing artists have lived like that.
0: Yeah, there's a Joni Mitchell quote that basically says exactly the same thing, that she thinks the nature of a true artist of any kind is that they can't tell you what to do.
1: Because you're riding the wave of yourself.
0: Tell me more about that musical education period, because again, you contain multitudes musically from Nina Simone to Korn.
1: Yeah, after I was like, I don't want to do this pop thing anymore, I just started listening to a lot of different things and just exposing myself to as much as I possibly could. And about two years into that exposure, I realized I don't just want to be an artist, I wanna be a musician. And what that meant for me was learning an instrument. And I realized like, okay, I love my voice, my voice is an instrument, but I don't feel like that's enough for me to be the kind of artist that I really want to be and so that's when I picked up the guitar and after I picked up the guitar everything changed because I didn't need producers I didn't need I didn't need anyone to write music I could just do it all by myself and that was a game changer and just from there the the unfolding is still happening
0: and you talked about metal and rock being gatekept in some ways. Tell me about how, your experience of that.
1: One interesting instance that happened, I played a, a system of a down riff on my seven string and the bassist reposted it. And I was so happy, I was so excited. I almost shed a tear. I was like, this is amazing. And then I just got wind of all of these shitty comments from these old white guys being so upset that he had reposted the video and it like I was like now I'm like I feel bad for him because he's in the comments like fighting for like fighting back like being like no like if you hate it then unfollow me then like so and I'm like oh my god like I feel so shitty like he probably just thought oh this is cool let me repost it and now he's like all of like so many people are giving him hate And me hate. I wasn't even thinking about my hate. I was thinking about the hate that he was getting because I was like, oh shit, like I feel like this is my fault. And yeah, I definitely was like, this sucks because I love him and I love this band. But now I just feel like I need to apologize. Like, (laughs) Like now I just feel like I need to say I'm sorry. Obviously that's not the case. I'm the type of person that My idols, I want to protect them.
0: The best thing that can happen to rock and metal is you doing it, bringing it to new audiences, obviously. One hundred
1: percent. But that was just an example of what you're talking about. And yeah, I'm doing it. I'm here and I'm rocking out with my everything out. (laughs) And I love it. And it's so much fun. And I hope that more women of color start rocking out unapologetically.
0: Does rock feel, and we've already established your next project is going to be guitar-based. Does that feel like you're locked in for, because again, you've done so many different styles. Does it feel like you're locked in to rock for a career or do you want to maintain the freedom to do a bunch of different stuff?
1: I'm an artist and I'm an artist who loves music, all kinds of music. And so I'm always going to retain the, Autonomy to make whatever kind of music I want to make. It just so happens that rock is the expression that I'm really feeling is the most authentic right now. And people are feeling like it's authentic too, and they're feeling my spirit through the genre. And I was just telling, I was just telling, or telling this to myself the other day cuz i was <laughs> listening to my first album I don't know. I know. We'll know. that i had ever made it. and i was always saying like oh it's a shitty album like i want to like take it off of like all of the streaming platforms and then i actually sat down and i listened to it and i produced All of the songs on that album, except for four tracks on the album, it was 15 songs on that album. And I produced all of them. And even though my production wasn't the best, even though my voice might not have been the best, what was the cutting, most potent, heartfelt, and profound thing about that album were the lyrics and Just the content. And I realized going back to what I said before about how they can feel my spirit through the music, that has always been the most important thing. No matter what genre I'm doing, the people who love me love the spirit coming through the music, the message coming through the music. Not all the time is it about the music itself, it's about the soul. Behind it. And I realized I was like, I'm not a musician, I'm a message. I've always been a message that has always been the core of who I am as a person. Obviously, I'm a musician, but it sounded cool to say (laughs) I'm not a musician, I'm just a message. Because in some ways, that is the truth. And in some ways, yeah, in some ways, that really is the truth. Like, I see myself as a spiritual being. And I don't want to wrap my identity or my ego into the idea of being a musician, because wrapping your ego and identifying with anything is dangerous. Obviously, it's already happened. But to tell myself more and more like, no, it's the spirit with which I make art. It's not the art itself. And that is what I feel like creates true longevity in an artist. Yeah.
0: You ended up singing with your mom's band last year, I think at Mother's Day surprise.
1: Ah, oh, man, that was that was a beautiful day. And I was really moved to play with some of the same guys that I watched so young and idolized on stage with her and to be on stage with them playing with them for my mom. And to just see there's nothing better than looking into the eyes of someone who truly sees you. And that such a blessing. I couldn't ask for anything more.
0: Is acting something that's still gonna be on your plate in some way?
1: Uh, maybe. I mean, who knows? I think I'm not as good of an actor as I am a musician. But there's always more life to live, Henny. Okay? So we're <laughs> gonna see what that has to offer. And do you still
0: have is your novel coming out later this year or next year, or what's
1: um I am still Working on that, but because I've always wanted to be an author, it's definitely going to be coming out within the next two years. Definitely,
0: hmm. the first sign of an author is to push a deadline back.
1: Oh man, <laughs> I know it's crazy. It's a crazy life. It's the art of writing is rewriting, as they say.
0: Lyric writing is connected, though, to prose writing. It feels like if you can do one, sometimes you can do the other.
1: 100%. It's all stories. To look at this
0: album, Hover Like a Goddess really stands out to me.
1: that I could get you in bed, inside the bathroom. That's what she said. Oh, that one was That one was uncomfortable because I had never uncomfortable to write because I had never written such a hot and heavy song in my life. And so I was like, "Oh my goodness, is this gonna I was scared like, is this like not me? But then I was like, obviously it's you, just do it. But yeah, it was very hot and heavy and it's very different than what I usually do. Yeah.
0: Doing the red table and stuff, you're used to self-revelation. Is it harder to do in a song though somehow?
1: I think I've always seen myself as being like, I don't know, I'm kind of like a neutral, like I'm a very neutral like I'm neutral in a lot of ways. So like going so sexual on a song was like this is not neutral at all. So I was just like, wow, I'm really stepping out of like my neutral point, my neutral place right now. So who knows, but I think in general red table talk definitely helps me be more authentic in all areas of my life because when you talk about some of the most vulnerable things in front of the entire world. You're an open book, what is there to hide, really? And I love that. Yeah, I love that. There's no part of me that I would want to keep hidden if I'm being completely honest. What is
0: neutral? What do you mean by neutral?
1: I really don't know. I was. I don't know if that's the right word. It's probably just the way that I perceive myself. It's probably not the way that other people perceive me, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't see myself as being like extreme in like, actually, I am pretty extreme. Don't listen to me. Who knows? I'm over here having a conundrum.
0: You did that amazing performance of "Whip My Hair where you then shaved your hair again. Could you get to that place where you just play that every night just because it's fun?
1: I usually play it if they ask me to. I don't play it with the band, but I do it a cappella. No one at the New York show asked me to play it. So I just, they asked me to sing Lipstick though, which was nice. So I did that. But yeah. No, I'm so grateful. Everything happens for a reason and there's nothing to be ashamed of. Life happens the way it happens.
0: When you do go on tour, do you think, is it going to be hitting people with basically the whole new album plus a little bit of old stuff or do you think you're going to broaden it out a little bit?
1: I like to focus on the new project, but the fan favorites will definitely have their time in the limelight.
0: One of the things about your show is that it is so live and that's becoming a little bit of a lost art.
1: It's really live, almost to a detriment, but that's what I enjoy, you know what I mean? Like if I'm gonna sing music, if I'm gonna play and sing, I'm gonna play and sing. And that's the bottom deal, the bottom. I don't think if anyone's ever said that in their life, but yes, it's a mixture of the bottom line and the big deal. That's the bottom deal. Do you
0: enjoy being famous?
1: I've never experienced anything else, so I couldn't give you a real answer.
0: That's what I was thinking. It's just the state of your existence, isn't
1: it? Yeah, unfortunately. I love to be able to say positive things and I love to be able to inspire people and I love to be able to help people feel less alone and help people feel seen and heard and cared for and loved. And my platform, only helps me be able to make more people feel cared for, seen, heard, and loved. And that is the true gift of this life. To try and do anything I can possibly do to make this world a little bit less shitty.
0: And that is our show, Rolling Stone Music Now. We'll be back with another episode on Saturday. And in the meantime, please download us wherever you get your podcasts, subscribe to us, Wherever you get your podcasts, maybe leave us five stars and a nice review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That's always deeply appreciated. But as always, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week.